Welcome to the show. My name is James Nielsen Watt, and in this show, we interview interesting, inspiring, and successful people so you can learn the secrets to success and can play the game of life, business, health, and happiness better. And the philosophy we take here is if I'm leveling up my game, you get to level up yours as well. So get ready to listen to some inspiring people who have figured out how to have success in all areas of life, health, happiness, wealth, business. We're gonna be interviewing them in this show so that you can learn the secrets to success that they share with practical advice that you can take and use today. So if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, please leave us a review, and please share it with your friends because if I can help you and you can help others, then we can help more people together and we can all level up our game together. My guest today is Kyle Wilson, one of the best personal development experts and online marketers on the internet, known for being the founder of Jim Rohn International and working with the top entrepreneurs in the personal development industry, including Jim Rohn, Brian Tracy, Les Brown, Zig Ziglar, Darren Hardy, and many others. I'm super excited to have him on the show, and I think this is going to be a brilliant episode for you. Welcome to the show, Kyle. I'm super excited to have you on, my friend. James, my honor. I'd love it if you can tell our audience a bit about yourself um, and what you do. I know that we had a, a great chat uh, pre-show and and you've been around uh, a while, but I'd love to sort of hear more about you and, and how you got into uh, what you're doing. Yeah, let me give a little context. I'll go back early on. You know, I grew up in a small town, never went to college. People would say, wow, how did you partner with the iconic Jim Rohn for 18 years, you must have been the superstar kid. And I wasn't. I actually got in trouble and had all kinds of challenges growing up. But at age 19, I I had a significant emotional experience. I really changed my life. And from there, I started my first little business. And, uh, you know, I had this a little bit of a God whisper, you know, it's like sell your small business and move to the big city. Like I said, I grew up in a small town and I, you know, it was odd. I I really did not have mentors and I made this decision. I sold everything. I moved to Dallas, Texas. I didn't have a, a big plan, but very serendipitously within a year, I'm in the seminar business. And very serendipitously after that, I'm meeting people like Jim Rohn. And I was part of this company that had a broken model. So I, I decided I wanted to go out on my own. And from there, I, within a couple of years, I was doing big 2,000, 2,500 people events. It was my company. And I was having to do, you know, 100 cold calls a day to go speak at companies. And eventually, that's how it began, eventually, led to then building a team and heavily referrals by just bringing tons of value. And then that led to, in addition to promoting Jim Rohn and Brian Tracy and Ogmandino, that led to me making an offer to Jim Rohn to have a exclusive relationship. And from there in 1993, that first year, I took him from 20 speaking engagements to 110 and I tripled his fee. And then I realized, okay, I have all these companies. Jim was like the gateway drug to personal development. You know, Tony Robbins calls Jim Rohn his mentor, Hal Elrod, Eric Worre, all these people, he, he's influenced so many, and he had that impact. And so I started another company called Your Success Story, and that's why I started taking Brian Tracy, Les Brown, Mark Victor Hansen, Dennis Waitley, 
to those same companies. And then we started creating products. I mean, over 300 intellectual products uh, I was able to create. Internet came around. I built the first million plus email list. And then in 2007, I sold my companies. So I'm one of those guys that built it, sold it, became a Mr. Mom. So I'm a little bit of an enigma. And then I came back out, James, in 2014. And I do masterminds and I, I publish books with some of those very same authors I mentioned. We're still friends 25, 30 years later. You know, Brian Tracy's in my most recent book and first met Brian in 1991. So, you know, we've done over 100 events together. And so I really just love what I do. And uh, I've been around a long time. So I've kind of seen things come and go. And uh, I'm, I am more focused now on the, the physical and spiritual parts of my life. You know, I was one of those type A promoters that just hit it hard for a long, long, long period of time. So it really, I think selling my companies made me a better person. So that's a bit of an overview of. I'm interested to, to know where you think that comes from. You said uh, you become a better person from selling your companies. Talk about that. Well, I mean, I was at, I was kind of king of the mountain. I mean, I was putting on the biggest events. I had the biggest list. I had every speaker, author want to work with me. And you get cocky. You get to thinking it's all because, you know, there's so, there's so much arrogance that was along with it. And when you sell the companies, you get to let go of that story. And uh, I, I think then coming back out in 2014, I had influence. I can make phone calls. I had money, but to I've always been a believer in you build things organically. You know, you don't fake it. It's all got to be organically built. So I got to come back out and uh, do it from the ground up again, which my, I'm not ambitious at all to try and recreate what I did in the past. I just want to find my path, but it helped me be less judgmental. It helped me see the world through other people's eyes. Uh, Definitely, you know, how I value what's most important. I mean, I was a spiritual person before, and I, I was very honest and had a lot of, you know, high value. Thing, but, but again, I put so much effort and results in business. And to me, that's less important, even though that's a reality. If you, if you bring service to the marketplace, you're going to get results as long as you are patient and do it the right way. Do you think that this came from uh, just an awareness or did this come from some experiences that you were having and realizing that you're focusing on, you know, the wrong things? Like where did this, where did this come from? Well, for me, everything's always been a pivot, right? So as a marketer, everything's a pivot. You don't know until you get to that city. You don't know until you, everything's constantly a, a bit of a, you know, mad scientist of trying to figure out like everything I've ever done, publishing books, I, I learned by doing and you become a mad scientist. Well, same thing. I sell the companies, I come back out and sometimes you have to have challenges and, and things that don't go right to help you figure out, you know, what direction you should go. So mine has mostly come through challenges and having to ask the tough questions and that typically shows up in relationships, you know, relationships you value, give you the feedback, you know, whether it's the marketplace or family or relationships. 
in any area of our life, give us feedback and then we get to decide, do we think we know more than everyone else or is there a possibility we could learn something, right? So I think, I think it's been that. And, and, you know, Jim Rohn would talk about who you spend time with matters. So I started that mastermind in 2015 and having other amazing people that have things that they have things working for them that weren't necessarily working for me. So I think when you get around other people that have figured out things that you haven't figured out, that helps a lot too. If you, you know, if you respect them and you, it's like, you're like, okay, they're doing something with their health or their money or their relationships or their friendships. I want more of that. And then you get to figure out, okay, you can't necessarily do everything at one time. Over time, you can do a lot, but at any one time, you have to have a priority list of where you're putting your time and energy. What, if anything, would you have potentially done differently and what effect do you think it would have had? That's a good question. I think uh, that's a really good question. I'm not sure. I mean, there's definitely some things I would have done differently, but I also think I was wired to... Again, having not gone to college, I, I, I go into this unknown world. I have amazing opportunities. You know, I had nothing to do with meeting Jim Rohn. That was serendipitous. Uh, and sometimes you got to run hard. And I did create a lot of opportunities for people. I created, uh, I created a lot of wealth for people. I created a lot of phenomenal relationships. And that came out of that type A seminar promoter. But then when I sold my companies and I had that time off, I got to pivot and I got to adjust. So I'm, I don't have to make the past wrong, I don't think. There are some things I might have done differently, but I think most of it were the different stages. And I do think that happens sometimes. People, you know, that have success and then they take that next level of perspective, they want everyone else to take that perspective when some people are in the building phase. And when you're in the build, in fact, Brian Tracy, 1991, I'm at his house. I'm doing events all over the, the country with him. And he said, Kyle, some of the best piece of advice I can give you. I mean, you're, I think I was like 31, 32, did not have kids yet. He said, Kyle, success is like getting a plane off the ground. And you go down that runway and it's burning tremendous amounts of fuel, this big, heavy plane, and you're trying to get it off the ground and you're having to fight gravity. But if you can ever get it off the, the ground and you're 30,000 feet in the air, instead of going 50 miles an hour, you're going 400 miles an hour and actually using less fuel. He goes, the problem is most people never get the plane off the ground because they never get focused. They never pay the price. And he said, I really encourage you to pay that price. And so I did pay that price, and that's where you just have to have your feet on the ground and make sure that you're not doing things that have too high a price. You know, the price for me was I didn't play golf. You know, I didn't watch TV much. I didn't go to the movies. I went to less concerts. But listen, I'd already had a lot of fun before I got serious, right? And I've since got to do, you know, pretty much anything I wanted to, but paying that price. And here's the other key advice, pay the price on the right thing. That's why it's so important to take a step back and really question everything you're doing. Because 
ask yourself, where do I want to be in three years? And typically that's not going to just, you're not going to know that you're going to have to do some evaluation and really think through that. But once you're clear on that, then it's so much easier to say no to everything that won't get you there. That's still good. That's nice. But I am a big believer in clarity. That there is there is danger in in believing that, in my opinion at least, you know, it'll all work out, or there is a path for me where you haven't actually thought about it, because yeah. it's too easy to to just coast through. And if you don't have a sense of direction of somewhere, then uh, you pay the price uh, for not having that. And sometimes, you know, as one of my my mentors said, uh, not knowing how to make a billion dollars, the cost of that is a, is a billion dollars, right? Like uh, not, not knowing how to have a happy relationship. What's the cost of that? Had you not even a, taken the awareness to see that maybe some things needed to shift or you had some some plans in place that you knew that it, you just wanted it to be better in, in, in whatever measurable way, um, not knowing or not even thinking there's a, there's a price to that. And I think there's truth on both sides, right? There's truth on getting really clear and there's truth on you just got to say yes to a lot of things early on and find out what hits and what doesn't hit. I, I'm a big believer on the phrase, on the way to. Like, everything that's really ever happened to me was never a direct line. It was, I said yes to this, and what came out of that was this relationship, and what came out of that was this opportunity, which came out of that, and then boom, I was off to the races. Or what came out of that was what not to do, and I'm benefiting the next 20 years of not making that mistake or the cousin of that mistake or something that could be 50 times bigger than that mistake that I do see a lot of other people making, but I had this unique experience that taught me that. So I think ultimately it's being a seeker. It's, it's having desire and, and seeking and being faithful over what you do have and, and always trying to bring your best and good Good things happen when you do that, when you work hard, when you serve, when you're bringing value, when you're being honest. Uh, you're, you're, you know, Jim Rohn said the key to being successful is to bring value to the marketplace. And a lot of people in my world think that means networking. No, it's, it's like if someone was going to be valuable to a valuable person, it's not learning to network. It's learning how can I bring value to that relationship? And so as a seminar promoter, I got to fill up a huge room and then invite speakers. Or as a podcast host, you get to create an audience and then invite people to come on the podcast. So it's a value uh, equation. And so I think as long as we're out bringing value and we're doing the right thing, uh, good things are going to come our way, but it's not always a straight line. And so why we're, and I got to tell you, you know, you know, my current goals are different than my goals 10 years ago that are different than my goals 10 years before that. Because like I said, when I was 25, I didn't know who Jim Rohn was. I didn't know what the seminar world was. That opportunity came from some previous uh, investments I made in doing the right thing. I think a danger of, conversations like these sometimes can be that we're often in a position of of 
uh, knowing things that the listener uh, has doesn't or hasn't yet experienced. And so sometimes you hear or hear advice or you you know you you see a meme or or something like that, and it says you know uh, have a plan and 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 whatnot. And while that's kind of true with awareness and knowledge what do you do before that point? And you said it right. It's you say yes to a bunch of stuff and you have experiences and you learn from that because some of the, the best things that have come for me have come from making the wrong choice. Now, the wrong choice was the right choice in irony and in hindsight because it allowed things to happen. You know, I'm I'm now not uh, a practicing chiropractor. I'm uh, I've deregistered. I'm, I'm not involved in that because I'm focusing on, on my, my other ventures. But I could look at this and I can say, well, you know, imagine if I had have started this at 23, you know, but the reality is that I couldn't have. Right. Because I had to have the other connections, the experiences, the learnings, et cetera, along the way. So all of the bad relationships, all of the bad decisions, they're good decisions because they ultimately, if, and, I, and I'll, the caveat for me, at least to that is, it was a it was a good decision if I learned from the negative outcome. If I didn't learn, then yeah, sure, it was bad. But it's it's culminated into being where where we're at to kind of go full circle on what you said before because i asked you you know would you change anything because you're in sort of a different season it leads me to that there are seasons in in the path and and my opinion is you have to be aware of you know your season and who you have around you that's guiding that because if you're wanting to be very family orientated in this season, but you're surrounded by a lot of very business orientated people, then you're going to be drawn into the wrong season. Is there anything that you can add to that? Yeah. So I, I, again, I think we, we have to get over that we're not perfect and we're going to learn. And that's part of the journey. And a good friend of mine, his name's Darren Hardy and known Darren since 1993. And he was recently on my podcast and we talked about some of the massive success he had. And he said, you know what? The truth is it was born out of uh, a flaw. He said, you know, my, my mom left when I was too young to remember. My dad was a hard driving football coach. Nothing was ever good enough. He was never happy. And I was always trying to please my dad. So I had this almost Steve Jobs perfectionism. Well, that perfectionism to prove I'm enough allowed me to create a pretty awesome thing that attracts now over a billion and a half people. But that was born out of a weakness. Okay, now I see that and I'm okay with it. I'm okay with this incredible drive I have to to prove I'm enough has created some some pretty cool results. Now, I try not let that control me now. And so I kind of look at it that way, James, is, yeah, some of the things that drove that first success, I don't want to let that drive me now, but I'm thankful that that did allow me to create a platform that I now get to have and relationships I get to have because I was able to bring value. So I think, you know, that's why values are so important, right? When you have values that undergird the strengths and weaknesses, at least you're doing the right thing. This is uh, an, an interesting th- uh, thought exercise. So I'm a parent of two two boys. One of them's three and one of them's one. And when you think about 
various things that you might have gone through as a, as a child yourself or experiences. And you think, would I uh, change that for myself and, and, you know, to not have that? And, and invariably, I, I feel the answer is no, because it cumulatively created who I am and, and what I have, right? But then on the flip side, would I wish that onto a child, my child, for example? And so I would love to hear your thoughts around this, this sort of duality, if you will, of, of both those things create opportunities for us to grow. And in hindsight, we see them as gifts often, especially if we've been able to find that vision through it and, and, and create stuff with it. And then preventing or not allowing unnecessary suffering to come in. So you wouldn't wish someone to go through a horrible childhood because you might come out strong on the other side, right? Some of it is unnecessary suffering, but then you at the same time have these experiences ourselves and hear about people who through that created something that they wouldn't have had they had a loving childhood. You hear what I'm saying with that? It's like yeah. a tricky. Yeah, this is this is deep, deep stuff we're getting into because it's uh, it's like, um, you know, just how we interpret things. You can have two kids that go through the exact same experience and have completely opposite interpretations. So no matter what you do, no matter how good or so there are examples of billionaires who raise kids that those kids go on to be able to shepherd that in an amazing way. And then there's others that money was the thing that spoiled them. So first of all, kids have different personalities, 100%. Second of all, the lesson I had to learn which isn't really answering your question, James, but what I had to learn is kids are only half our DNA, you know? So I thought my kids were like me. No, they're only half my DNA. They're also half my spouse's. And then you got parenting styles and you have, what are you in agreement on? What are you going to compromise on? And so it's, it's impossible to nail it. It's like anything else. You just do your best, hope the best, you pay attention but I think the lessons I learned was to not expect my kids to be like me because they have a totally different personality. They have, and that took almost for my kids to become adults before I realized they're different than me. And now my kids are my biggest teachers because I just kept trying to put my personal development, my ambition, you know, the things that I thought were valuable onto them and not realize, wow, they, they have something they're teaching me about what's important that's very different than me. But, you know, I see some parents that are very clear about things and that works great for their household. And I see some parents that that actually separates. So it, it really is the thing that helps us get in touch with being students. I mean, if, if you're a parent, it's heavy weight stuff. So you want a community, you want other mentors, you want to constantly, you want support. Um, I always said it's not fair. God, and I'm speaking from a man's viewpoint here, okay? God, you know, within the same timetable said, okay, go out, make a name for yourself, figure out a way to conquer the world. Number two, you might meet a lady, and by the way, you have no idea how to even be in a re relationship. 
you've not gotten those skills. You probably weren't taught those. Number three, you might have kids. And what do you know about parenting? And all this happens at the same time. So three of the biggest demands ever all come in a short period of time often. And what's that all about? So I think there again, it's not our job to be perfect. It's our job just to do the best we can. And it's going to be your kid's job to interpret that, you know, because one might interpret it as the greatest dad ever. And one might say, wow, how, how could he or she, right? That's going to be their journey to figure it out. Yeah. It's, it's having that awareness that while, while I might not be perfect, I'm going to uh, do my damned best to, to not massively overcompensate and, and, and cause problems, uh, you know, on the, on the other side, but to, to be aware of how I'm showing up, how my, how my kids are reacting um, and, and being attentive to, to that because we, you know, I, I see it um, where uh, we can say, oh, you know, we're all going to mess our kids up. So, you know, don't, don't worry about being perfect. And while that might be a, a technical truth, I think that it's easy to then allow it to become this passive thing where I then pay less attention. And then it happens in our own health. It happens in our relationships. It happens sure. in our businesses. And, and it's sort of a, a human nature thing almost to, it's difficult for me to control the variables. So I'll, I'll stop trying to, uh, and I will just let it, let it ride. And I'll just let you know, I was the, I overcompensated to the side of being available too much. I built my business five minutes from the school. I took my kids to school. I had a whole team of people that went to the events. I didn't travel much. I stayed at home. Our kids never, ever uh, changed school districts, never had to change buses. And I prided myself on I'm not traveling. And I knew dads who traveled five days a week. I sold my companies when they were young teenagers. I was a full-time Mr. Mom. And that wasn't necessarily the best for them, right? And so ultimately, if I had to give advice, I'd say, get really clear on what you're called to do. Be your best. Be attentive to, you know, your family, Um get educated, have a support group, but you following your passion and dreams and having balance is the best thing you can do because two identical kids can interpret anything from totally different. One, it's the best thing, one, it's the worst thing, and you don't get to control that. Now, what you do get to control is how you interpret that, right? Not making it their fault. And those are the lessons I had to learn is uh, just learn from their responses. Oh, they see the world differently. I'm not right and they're wrong. It's they're seeing something I never saw before. How about that? I like that. And it's it's interesting because I'm in a season where me and uh, the, the wife and family are looking at doing a lot more travel, but the, the concern that, you know, pops up is this balance between stability for children uh, in one place, forming long-term relationships and schools and all this kind of thing. And then the other side is getting world and life experience through traveling and speaking languages and seeing things and meeting cultures all over the world and finding a, a, a balance that that makes sense without overthinking it. Um, and so I'll, I, I'll weigh in on that. Yeah. So I have a friend that him and his wife, they're now, you know, teenagers 
uh, you know, traveled a hundred times on a plane their first two years and they would go on vacations and go live in Belize and live in different places. Love that. That totally worked for them. Here's the bottom line is, do you have a spouse that wants that too? So it's whatever this, so take the kids out of the equation for the moment. If you and your spouse want to stay at home, be at the same school, or if you and your spouse want to travel, it'll be the best for the kids. There are so many amazing stories of kids that have moved and traveled, but both both uh, both parents were in alignment. So I think it's you you and your spouse being in alignment is where it begins. Well, that that's what the ultimate stability for the the children is you know it's 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 how is how are the parents in in dealing with with life and if one is anxious either way uh it's gonna it's gonna insidiously feed out there because children become mirrors to to the things that we are not paying attention to in ourselves why is my kid so angry all the time maybe uh you're angry a lot and you just haven't noticed. <laughs> and, and, you know, we would go on yearly ski trips and yearly beach trips. One loved to ski, one didn't. And it's, it's learning not to punish the one that doesn't want to. So if you guys did the travels and one loves it and one doesn't, then you got to factor that into the equation. And it's, now, again, there's stories of telling that one they're going to love it has worked and there are stories that hadn't. So it's, that's why I, I said uh, on one level, this is such serious stuff requires a lot of thought and a lot of searching. And on another level, you just got to do your best. Well, most of life, you can't think your way through the problems because that implies a level of knowledge that you'd only gain having been through the problems yourself because your situation might be personally different to somebody else that you could even learn from. And I see that a lot with with my clients, for example, trying to think their way through a problem that they can't possibly think their way through because it implies they have knowledge that they could process with thinking and and they don't. So the only way through is to, to feel your way through, uh, in my opinion, and learn from that and gain some wisdom and connect with others who have done things to educate your actions. But sometimes there's a, like you said, you know, you, you go and do it and, and, and you learn from it. Um, can I ask, with the people at the levels that you've worked with, all the different levels, uh, and then thinking about yourself as well, what do you think were some of the personality traits that meant or, or, or facilitated or allowed you to uh, achieve what you achieved and, and what you see in others that helps them achieve success in different areas, but being able to kind of stick, stick through the spending all the fuel and not even being off the ground yet analogy with the plane? You know, I, I wish I could say there was this, these, all these common threads, uh, there are two or three that will match up among different people, but sometimes it's, if I had to say it, it would be resilience, you know, persistence, determination, those type of things would probably be the, the most common thing that that's happened. And, you know, again, wanting to bring your best and wanting to have a, at least some level of service. It's like, 
I'm going to bring this to the world. Like, and I'll get, since your audience is in the medical, we, uh, one of the guys in our inner circle, he, uh, orthopedic surgeon who was so displeased with his office and his staff and his partner. And we kept saying, dude, you know, you get to serve people, you get to impact people. And I have a lot of real estate investors, a lot of investors in my group. And, um, and so he was wanting to go do that. And we're like, you can do both. I mean, we have a orthopedic surgeon that's got hundreds of millions in investments, right? But he loves serving people through the group and watching this guy have a turnaround over a period of a year on the number one thing, getting connected to he gets to help people. And from that, he was able to let go of some of his team that wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid, getting out of a bad partnership, and now has a, a job he loves and he gets to help people. And so if people aren't loving what they're doing, you know, first of all, is it something they should change or shift, right? Is it attitude? Is it some things they're looking at the wrong way. But then secondly, maybe it does require a career change over time. I'm, I'm not kind of like, you know, burn the bridge and go. So sometimes there is burn the bridge, but I am like try different things. So, you know, as, as we were talking, like the word flow comes to mind. And so it's, it's having goals, it's having ambition with letting go of how that has to happen, you know, being in flow of, here's what I want. Like, I'm a big intention guy. I have a journal. I've kept a journal for 30 years. I write down my intentions, but then I release it. I have an intention to have Phil Collin and Duff Leopard come to my house and do a mastermind. And I let go of it because I don't want him to come to my house and be part of a mastermind unless it can serve him too. And he ended up coming and him and his wife, his wife cried and said, wow, you have the most loving people. It fed their soul. Well, I can't make that happen. You know, that's where I just have to trust. If he comes, it'll be worth his time. And being okay if that was not even, and I say all this because I already had a relationship with him, right? I'd helped him film, but later on they're in town doing a concert. I just want, I want to invite him to come spend a day with, with our group. And so I do that a lot. I have intentions that happen all the time, but I have to get my motives right. And I have to let go of, my expectations, right? And so flow is a common word that comes to mind. It, it's it's having a direction, but letting go of how it has to happen. So, and I can tell you in the past, I did not flow. I had intentions and I was going to make them happen. And I did. And I don't realize the amount of strain that cost my team and it cost other people, Right. And so I don't really want to operate that way anymore. So do you feel that that fits in to particular seasons? Or do you, do you look at this now and think, maybe I would focus more on flow than bulldozing, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think in the past, I would have had more results with flow than bulldozing. Steve Jobs would bulldoze his way. Elon Musk would bulldoze his way. I think, or, you know, Steve Jobs would cuss you out. And well, in spite of that, he got results. 
I don't think bad behavior ever helps. So I think people that we use as role models of results they got because they bulldozed or because of that extreme abuse and some sometimes, I think that actually cost them more than it helped them. So I think I would have done better with flow than the bulldoze because uh, I just would have had to have less control. I would have had to not have it my way on a Friday afternoon at four o'clock. If, if I need to make something happen, if I'm always in the state of it has to happen yesterday, that's just a, a bad habit. You know, I, I need to give room for things to happen. I'm thinking about that idea of flow and, um, and, and resistance. And you're right. You know, you can, you can push harder and you get stronger. Then it makes you push even harder because you'll always be against resistance. And to, to use like a gym analogy, you'll be a big buff dude who can't touch his toes. Uh, and so then what happens then? Now I can't put my shoes on and it creates more resistance. And so there's this inevitability that you can get stronger and push harder, but maybe there was a simpler way that seemed more convoluted or time consuming at the time, but the level of energy expenditure to get there and you ended up at the same place. But, exactly. With, you know, without, the, the, you know, the biggest piece of this is other people, right? So if any kind of success is going to be based on having other people involved. And so if I'm always making everything about my, my time versus factoring in how can I make projects that allow for amazing things to happen. Now I'm not talking about don't have deadlines, right? So Steve Jobs said, I want this font to look this way by this date and I need it in 10 days. I'm not saying that's unreasonable. Like, I don't know. I'm not talking about that. I think it's okay to ask for the miracle. Uh, but then, you know, Sometimes it's not going to happen. Sometimes it is. And when it is, it's amazing. But it's how we then let it control us. Like if you believe in meditation or having some sort of practice, you don't want to do the opposite of that and just always be in reactive mode. And I will say at one time, I, I definitely came from reaction. It's because I had too much on my plate that I felt had to be resolved in certain ways. And so I became so reactive. You just touched me. I didn't have enough enough to go around to absorb that. And so those are the things I'm going to use the wrong word for this. I strive for now <laughs> you know, instead of, but those are the things that are important to me now getting the same result, but in a different way of it happening. No, I, I agree because the opposite is to be so, you know, quote unquote, going with the flow that you're really just going in circles and not making anything happen because you're allowing everything else to, it, it ties in with resiliency in that there's going to be resistance. It's just, are you inviting in and constantly battling against resistance or are you using resistance and flow? So you've got to set deadlines. You've got to have well, plans, you know, but you've got to be able to adapt. Well, Jim Rohn, and this goes back to your kids, Jim Rohn would say some people you have to say, speed up, come on, get going. And other people you have to say, slow down. And so it gets down to personalities. Some people, I got to say, just do something and do it today. And other people's like, hey, you don't need to start a fifth company, right? You're not doing a good enough job with the four companies you already have. And so I think 
again, it gets down to personality. Some, some people are spending too much time meditating and some people aren't spending enough time meditating. And values, it's knowing the truth of both of those. Like I used to would have told you my greatest strength was a sense of urgency. And it really was. I had a sense of urgency and I made things happen. That's a strength. But flow is also a strength. And there's times to use both those, those tools. You measure it on what it's producing and, and are you happy with it? I think would be a good yeah. summary. Exactly. If you're always burnt out and yelling at your kids and that's not what you want, <laughs> right. uh, maybe there's some flow that needs to happen. Um, and that, that's kind of back to the pivot. You know, another word would have been, I could have used was feedback. You know, we're always going to be getting feedback and to be a good interpreter of the feedback you get, whether it's the marketplace, your family, life. Yeah, there's so many layers to this. If you're if you're working with clients and you find it difficult to 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 sell them into what you're doing, uh, and you're constantly battling against, what's the feedback? The feedback is maybe the the sales process needs to change. Maybe the offer needs to change. Maybe the you know the preframe with with your content needs to shift. There's there's always feedback, and it will depend on what you value. If you're completely fine, just you know, gun to someone's head to get them to buy your stuff. Um, I guess, you know, until you have an awareness that that's probably not going to serve you long-term, you, you may stick with it, but looking for that feedback and, and how it fits your values and, and then uh, pivoting, as you said, I think is so important. I want to, to sort of round out um, with, with one last question for you. I ask this of everyone, and, and for me, it's the most valuable part of any interview is uh, what's the most important thing you ever learned yeah, I I wished I had a, a clear answer on that. I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, um, definitely you know caring for people and uh, caring you know valuing what people think. I always tell people I have a really really good friend. Uh, he was a colonel in the Marines for 31 years. Respect him. He's one of the greatest leaders I've ever met. And if, and if he told me, and this would be very, very out of character, but if he told me, Kyle, I, I got to tell you something, I had a, a spaceship land in my backyard yesterday and it had aliens and they invited me on the spaceship. I would believe him because my experiences don't have to match your experiences for me to say, I respect how you feel. So I think you know, I've learned over time to value other people's experiences, even though they might not match mine. And I think the world lacks that a lot, right? We want to put our stuff on everyone else and realizing we don't have the full, of, you know, the full experiences of people. So if you tell me an experience you had, I'm probably going to believe you. Now, I don't have to follow that religion or follow, I don't have to make it my own. I just want to give you the respect and honor of your beliefs and your experiences. We don't have all the information that's going on in the, the other person's world or the other person's head to be able to really judge. And we might not ever, like we might not ever have that experience. And so we might not ever validate it and of course, you know, that doesn't make it not true. 
I love that. I love that. Um, where can our audience uh, connect with you? And I believe you have a, a, a new book out. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, I'm at kylewilson.com. And on Instagram, I'm Kyle Wilson, Jim Rohn. And uh, a recent book I did, and I'm going to give everyone the digital copy. It's called Success Habits of Super Achievers. It's named after my podcast, Success Habits. And uh, a lot of people in my world, Les Brown, Brian Tracy, Darren Hardy, Mark Victor Hansen, John Assaraf, Phil Collin, who I mentioned to Def Leppard, they're, they're all in the book. And it's their stories. It's about 80 entrepreneurs sharing their success habits and their stories of resilience and their tips. And uh, it hit number one in over 20 categories when it came out. But I have the digital version I send to anyone. And I also have several other books and interviews with pretty much all the people I just mentioned. I have interviews, video interviews. And all they have to do is send an email to info at kylewilson.com info at kylewilson.com. And James, there's a reason I have them send an email because some of them might be Jim Rohn fans or Jim Rohn might've changed their life or Darren Hardy. And I want to know that too. And so if I, true story, I had a call a little bit earlier with the guy, I'm doing a a book where he was potentially going to be in it. And I notice he, he mentions he's from Baltimore and I'm like, you know, I, and I never mentioned this, but I said, you know, I did a seminar for a couple of thousand people at the Meyerhoff Symphony Hall in 1992 with Jim Rohn and Og Mandino. And he goes, I was there. And that changed my life. I'd never, didn't know any of this. I went and, I, and Og Mandino, I read all of his books, you know, right before he died and became a Jim Rohn disciple and then a Darren Hardy and a Brian, all the people you work with have been on your podcast. That all came from that event. Well, the fact we even brought it up was rare. And so, yeah, if they if send an email, put success habits in the subject, but if Jim Rohn or, or anything we even talked about today, or if James has been a, a major influence in their life, share it with me. And, uh, I, you know, you never know, there might be some, some serendipitous, uh, stories to be found out. Thank you so much, Kyle. I really appreciate you for coming on the show. I know that uh, for me, it's it's been insightful to to think about things differently. And I've, and I've got a page of notes here that I'm going to go and take a look at. And I hope that our audience got some value from this too. So thank you so much. Thank you. And as you said, uh, we kind of got out in space a little bit. And uh, the, the danger, as you said, is... Uh, it's a little bit heady and, you know, people need to do what's next, but hopefully there is something that uh, for different people that impacted them in a unique way. And uh, that would be pretty awesome. My pleasure for being on. Thanks, James. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Everything shared will be in the description of the episode so you can go and grab that. Now, if you enjoyed the show and you want to listen to more, please subscribe because every week we're releasing new episodes with inspiring people, successful people, so you can level up your game. So subscribe and also leave us a review. We'd love to hear feedback about the show and your thoughts and opinions there as well. Now, if you want to have more success, whether it's in your life, whether it's in your business, we run live trainings every single week where you can get access to me to coach you through everything from health, wealth, success, business, We're doing topics on all things that you need to live 
a better, more inspired and successful life. Live trainings every single week. Just visit jamesnielsenwatt.com forward slash live and you can get access to that now. There's also a ton of resources that you get for just listening to the show. All of that will be in the description. So if you are watching this on YouTube, check the description. If you're listening to this episode, check the description. We've got a load of resources there for you to have more success in your life, whether it's relationships, investing, or in business. I'll see you on the next episode. And as always, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends because there's somebody else that needs to be hearing this, and maybe you're their opportunity to help them level up their game.